On this edition of Kiwi Tripsters, we head to Glacier Country to marvel over friends Joseph and Fox. Sticking with the great outdoors, when was the last time you took a drive on the Haast Pass Highway? And what are some of the weirdest laws around the world? And we celebrate New Zealand's tastiest signature treats. Indeed we do. That is all ahead on Kiwi Tripsters. We're back with Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. Get ready and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Andrew Seppi. Welcome aboard for a fresh edition of Kiwi Tripsters. I'm Andrew Seppi. I'm Mike Yardley. Sublime to see you, Andrew. And always you, Michael. (laughs) Now, let us start our travels deep south on the Haast Pass Highway, which is a critical route linking the west coast to central Otago. Haast is our youngest mountain highway. Yes, it was the last pass to be constructed over the Alps, so it still exudes a sense of final frontier. Does it? When you take a ride, I think so, particularly... See the Marlborough man galloping past? <laughs> exactly. Yes, surpassing more. Yeah. But no, I mean, when you um, are riding along that road in sort of like torrential rain mm. and you see no signs of civilization, it does feel very woolly. It does, yes. So it's a 140k romp uh, from, say, Lake Hawea through to Glacier Country, and I'd rate it as one of my favourite road trips. Indeed. The amazing thing is the highway was only fully sealed about 30 years ago. Really? Isn't that nuts? Yeah, it is. As a day trip, you will want to do it in winter because even though the weather can be a bit gnarly, the alpine aesthetics are so much bolder, particularly with those higher peaks. Although, that being said, they are snow-topped over summer as well. Now, for those uh, not familiar with the region, Wanaka serves as the southern gateway to the Haast Highway via Lake Hawea. Yes, and you'll see the highway turn off just out of town, and that's where the scenic showreel starts with the twin lakes of Hawea and Wanaka. There are a stack of roadside lookouts. The best of all is the Neck, mm. where the thinnest sliver of land just <laughs> manages to keep these two giants of cobalt blue apart. Oh, that's very well put. Thank you. I think there was some sort of glacial backstory mm. as to why they now are uh, sort of separated. But um, I think Lake Hawea is often overlooked because obviously Wanaka gets so much tourism glory, and it is um, a magnificent town and lake, but Lake Hawea feels quite unmolested, such a majestic body of water. The water is just so clear. It's like liquid cellophane as you look into its gorgeous, gorgeous fluid. That's true, and that's not an understatement either. Now, let us flick through the unmissables starting at Makaroa. Yes, beyond the lakes, you will enter a sprawling valley, which will remind you of Switzerland, the Makarora Valley. If you haven't been to Switzerland, you'll now know what Switzerland (laughs) looks like by looking at, anyway. That's very true. And you may see Heidi, (sighs) because it is kind of like Heidi country. I did expect a young Heidi to come skipping into view through the meadows of the Makarora. You always seem to be looking for either Heidi or a funicular funicular railway 
or measuring things in football fields. So, you know, let's work <laughs> consistent here. Sadly, there are no funicular no. in Makarora, mm. but mm. there is an amazing coffee stop. Ah, now you speak in my language. The Makarora Country Cafe. It's one of those great quirky roadside stops because they have got an epic car license plate collection. <laughs> oh, this is good. From all around the world, nailed on its walls, and even the ceiling beams of the cafe. Most are from the US. Well, that's understandable because the US has 50 states, and each of those states has a different <laughs> number plate. This is true. Yeah. So over the years, uh, these plates have been gifted to the cafe owners by passing visitors. They even still get some in the mail post-trip. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. This is cool. Wouldn't that be funny? You get home to Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. Hank, we've got to send that plate to Makarora. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, and not far from Makarora are the Blue Pools. They are a stunner, and they're such an easy walk from the roadside through Silver Beach Forest, across boardwalks and a swing bridge. The pools are alive with massive brown and rainbow trout. Then, As opposed to the sound of music, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I was waiting for that to come in. Then the highway enters the Mount Aspiring National Park, and you will notice signposts popping up continuously for various waterfall walks. And they have very inviting names like Fantail Falls, <laughs> which is not a bird that's got the dropsies. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many of these waterfalls, and you will need to be brutal with your picking and choosing as to which falls to frequent. Right. So there's a heap of waterfall tracks. Yes, you like gushes. Thunder, yes. Thunder Creek Falls. Oh, photogenically, it was right up my alley. Right. I reckon Thunder Creek is the Cascade King. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a furniture store. <laughs> <laughs> so Thunder Creek hurtles straight down into the Haast River. It is a huge vertical drop and very noisy, a very noisy gusher. It is the right. South Island's Peter Plumley Walker tumble dryer type of waterfall. How did you get Peter Plumley Walker into a tumble dryer? I'm not sure what imagination was. Well, I'm sure he felt like he was in one when he went over the hooker. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> After the hooker. Yeah. Right. For more aqua magic. There's you know, we've mentioned Peter Plumley Walker on quite a few podcasts. Peter Plumley Walker is giving Heidi a run for her money. Yeah. Mark Twain a run for his money. <laughs> Funiculars a run for their money. But anyway, yes. after you've had your fun at Thunder Creek, the Cascade King, there's Roaring Billy. Good grief. Roaring yeah. Billy. <laughs> I thought Roaring <laughs> Billy was a choo-choo train. And you could imagine Roaring Billy being the manager of Cascade King, the furniture <laughs> store. I'm Roaring Billy. <laughs> Roaring Billy is reached through the most amazing grove of emerald colour tree ferns. Very, very enchanting. In fact, I reckon if wetter workshops were told can you improve on that scene? They would say no. Right. Another landmark stop on the Haast Highway is the precarious crossing of the Haast River, and it carries the rather dramatic name, the Gates of Haast. Bum, 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 bum. It is such a confronting setting. It's actually a movie scene, I reckon, mm -hmm. waiting for a movie to come along. <laughs> but the, I remember when I last drove across the Gates of Haast, the car felt like it was hustling to get over the Haast River, as if the car knew that it was kind of like a spooky 
mm-hmm. scenery. You weren't driving a Volkswagen with a number on the side called Herbie or something. <laughs> with a plate that <laughs> was meant to go to Makarora Country Cafe. Yes. Yes. Anyway, the highway is hemmed in by those vertical rock walls and the gigantic boulders of tumbling schist just by the Alpine Fault Line. Mm. So you could actually stop your car here and wait for the Alpine Fault to unzip itself. And, <laughs> and Of course, which is what you'd be wanting to do. And you would never forget it. It is a striking, menacing sight, the gates of Haast, because you've got all of the surging water barreling through underneath the road. It's like a freight train. Lovely. Called Roaring Billy. <laughs> now, before heading into glacier country, there's a nice wee diversion to the west of Haast to Jackson's Bay. Yes. So the Haast Pass ends in Haast Township. Funny of, that. Yeah. Before heading north towards France and Fox, for a great wee side trip, head out to the Tasman Sea, turn left, and off you go to Jackson Bay, mm. uh, the West Coast's only natural deep water wharf. The locals, they rave about the size of their cod. And the Agropa. What's his name? <laughs> George. <laughs> but honestly, uh, when you've had your fill of seafood, yeah. there's also amazing rock sculptures in neighbouring Bruce Bay to check out. And the surf there at Bruce Bay is absolutely thunderous. Yes. You can stay at Haast Township. Yes, And I think this is the mistake a lot of visitors make, particularly internationals who are rushing to get from Pancake Rocks uh, to Queenstown in a day. Oh, yes. And you get a bit of that on the West Coast. You do. So don't rush. Do not rush on the West Coast. So if you've headed up from Wanaka, before you even think about Franz or Fox or Hokitika, stay a night in Haast and go to the local pub because the food there is like the West Coast on a plate. You've got Mount Cook salmon. You have Jackson Bay seafood chowder. You have West Coast whitebait, all captured from the Haast River. Personal story: Every time I drive through uh, Jackson, Jackson Bay, whatever, I'm always tapping the steering wheel and singing the Johnny Cash song. I'm going to Jackson. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> oh, okay. It's good, like an earworm. All right, stay with us. We nosy north from Haast into Glacier Country next. Kiwi Trips, this is Mike and Andrew. You're back, we're back. If you're driving on the Haast Pass Highway, Glacier Country is next in line. Did Johnny Cash have a song for them? For what, Glacier Country? Yeah. Uh, I just think he went to Jackson. That okay. was about it. Right. After two very quiet summer seasons, thanks to COVID, of course, Franz and Fox have been on fire recently. Yes, the global hordes have returned. Although you're not sure that you want to say that the glacier has been on fire because, no. anyway. No, this is true. Mm. Uh, in the autumn... It's a far more sedate time to drink in the glory of glacier country as the crowds start to thin out. Do it now. The twin glaciers, friends, Joseph and Fox, are revered as being two of the most accessible glaciers in the entire world, plunging down from the Southern Alps, wrapped in rainforest, almost to sea level. Mm. Honestly, they're right here in New Zealand. Don't miss them. Melting every moment. Descending from 3,000 metres, Franz Joseph Glacier terminates just 240 metres above sea level and only 19k from the Tasman Sea. It is quite amazing. Yeah. Uh, The terminal face of of Fox, which is the longest of the glaciers, is only 12k from the Tasman Sea. 
And that is what makes Franz Joseph and Fox so exceptional. You would struggle to find many glaciers that close to the ocean. Indeed you would. However, this is New Zealand. Wherever you are in New Zealand, you're only 45 kilometres from a major body of water. This is true. Anywhere in the country. We are so coastal, we have so much water around us, which is why so many people in New Zealand can swim compared to many, many other countries. That's true. Mm. There are a multitude of ways that uh, you can commune with these two wondrous ribbons of ice. Uh, From the valley floor, if you haven't been there before, the walking tracks to the terminal face of both Franz Joseph and Fox will take about 45 minutes or so to complete. I remember, though, as a kid, uh, back in the 70s, when I first went to Fox Glacier, Mm. they were about another two kilometres longer than what they are now. So they are receding. Definitely. See them before it's too late. What about accommodation? Now, Tiwanui Forest Retreat is a very special place to go. It certainly is. It would be one of my all-time favourite luxury accommodation experiences in New Zealand. It's a big call. It's a very big call. Because you've stayed at many accommodation luxury experiences. I Well, yes. Mm. I have been partial to a bit of luxe. <laughs> But <laughs> Bit of a mini bar. <laughs> exactly. At Franz Joseph, this five-star boutique retreat is truly enrobed by rainforest. Ooh. Just the way it was built in this stand of rainforest, just brilliantly designed. And everything just feels blended with nature. Spoil yourself with a very signature stay here. And they do all sorts of breakfast and dinner upgrade packages as well. And now, aside from gazing at glaciers, there are languid lakes to savour. Uh, best of all, the mirror magic of Lake Matheson, if you get lucky. Well, I tried to get lucky at Lake Matheson. And it didn't happen? <laughs> no. The weather gods conspired against me, even though apparently mm-hmm. I am distantly related <laughs> to the Matheson who oh, yeah. takes him? the name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. My mother's great, great uncle's second cousin, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. Mil- Milkman's brother's yeah. dog handler. It is a tenuous connection, I give you that. <laughs> but even though I had a tenuous connection, I didn't get lucky at the lake. Oh, dear. So you really do have to just cross your fingers and hope that you will get a nice, clear morning because you don't just need a clear sky, but a calm sky to get that mirror reflection perfection. If you've got a bit of wind... <laughs> That ruffles the water <laughs> and completely obliterates the reflective glory. Good luck. Yeah. Try your best. Keep your fingers crossed. Uh, your best bet, though, is to head there either at dawn or dusk. That is when it's least likely to be breezy. But even if you don't get the mirror magic, the spectacle of our highest peaks, framed in all of that native foliage, floating on the water's surface, it is pretty mesmerizing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not often you get clear and calm together. True. I've met your mother. She's wonderful. There you go. What about wildlife? Uh, Did you see the Rawi? Well, there's every chance you might hear the call of Mr. or Mrs. Rawi. They reverberate across the lake. And when I was at Matheson, even though I didn't get mirror reflection perfection, I did get the sound of Rawi. Hundreds of these (laughs) Kiwi have been released into the wild in recent years as part of the breeding program based at Franz Joseph at the West Coast Wildlife Centre. And you can see them there. So if you don't see them in the bush, go to the Wildlife Centre. That is fantastic. Now, brought back from the edge of extinction with only 160 Kiwi in the natural habitat a decade ago, 
the only wild population of Rawi is found at nearby Okarito. Yeah. And the West Coast Wildlife Centre has safely hatched, get this, nearly 400 Rawi chicks. That is doing God's work, that isn't it? That really is fantastic. Yeah. The other great wildlife draw in South Westland or glacier country is the white heron, the kotoku. <laughs> the old white heron. Remember yes. the white heron restaurant? Oh, yes. In Christchurch, yes. out by the airport? That, oh, was, yes. a, that was a staple for that the 70s was the and 80s. That place to go. When going out for dinner at the White Heron, put your best trousers on. <laughs> so about 20 minutes from Franz Joseph, yeah. uh, there is the Okarito Lagoon mm. and Fataroa, which is where the tours leave for to go to the White Heron nesting colony. Mm. Now, that is an essential New Zealand experience, I would have to say. Absolutely. So... The other option post-nesting, which is about now, is you will see some white herons year-round feeding at Okarito Lagoon. So generally they are raised at just out of Whataroa and then a lot of them will grow up and fall in love at Okarito Lagoon. How very Disney. Yes. Yeah. Coming up, we road trip through New Zealand in celebration of our country's tastiest signature treats. Back in a moment. Back with Kiwi Tripsters, Mike and Andrew. Now, before we uh, road trip to New Zealand in celebration of our country's tastiest nom, nom, signature nom, treats, nom, and I'm not just nom, talking nom, about nom. Rachel Hunter, one of the great joys of travelling is discovering uh, various quirks of other countries' laws. So for a bit of fun, we thought we might highlight some of the most baffling laws still on the statute books in countries around the world. Just as a start of a 10, did you know... It is illegal to serve alcohol to moose in Fairbanks, Alaska. Moose can become very aggressive, Andrew, if they drink alcohol or fermented fruits. (laughs) Can't we all? In 2007, there was a moose who was later named by the locals (laughs) Buzzwinkle. Uh Poor old Buzzwinkle went on a drunken rampage after drinking a local brewery's supply. There goes all those moose bars going out of business. Now, poor old Buzzwinkle became tangled in Christmas lights. It sounds like a Home Alone movie. But Buzzwinkle became tangled in Christmas lights and was found in a drunken stupor (laughs) by locals in the town square. And officials later introduced a law to try to prevent the moose's drunken escapades. (laughs) You would need quite a sleep it off. Night or two on that front, wouldn't you? You would, but you have to be careful there too. Uh, where would they sleep it off? Because in Arizona, it is illegal for donkeys <laughs> to sleep in bathtubs. Oh, what? <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, uh, there's a law. Donkeys may not sleep in bathtubs right. in Arizona. And in Switzerland, it is illegal to flush the toilet after 10pm in an apartment building as the government considers this noise pollution. I'm with that. Yeah, Totally agree. You don't want people flushing next to you, do you? Although I see that it is actually up to the landlords, but they can impose house rules whereby residents are not allowed to flush between the hours of 10 and 7 a.m. God, that's a long time to hold on, actually, isn't it? Well, the way Christchurch Central City is going with its noise control, it's probably (laughs) going to end up here too. Now, it is an offence in Scotland to be drunkenly in charge of a cow and a horse. Yes, according to the Licensing Act, uh, and this means riding a cow while intoxicated is out of the question. If found guilty, one could be jailed for up to 51 weeks. 
which is strange because 52 weeks is a year. Why did they come up with 51 weeks? <sighs> so does that mean you're allowed to ride the cow over Christmas week? I t- <laughs> if you're off to a nativity scene, perhaps. <laughs> And you mm. couldn't find a donkey because yeah. that was a sleep in a bathtub in Arizona. Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah. in the United Arab Emirates, if you are caught swearing, you could face jail, deportation, or a fine. Mm. Um, the country's penal code states that swearing disgraces the honour or the modesty of a person. Well, I, I, I have to feel an agreement on this front. I feel like my modesty is disgraced <laughs> quite frequently. <laughs> Yeah, but that's not by your swearing. <laughs> the law, by the way, in the UAE does not just include a spoken word. It extends to text messages and social media, including indecent emojis. Have you had an indecent emoji lately? Well, well, well I haven't recently, but if, what if you put a, an aubergine by mistake and then oh. you got arrested? Yes. Now, in Barcelona, it is illegal to go bare-chested or wear a bikini, and I often face that choice in the morning, <laughs> uh, at the, except at the city's beaches. Yes. Uh, Walking along the city streets while wearing only swimwear could land you a 250 euro fine. The law came into effect about 13 years ago and enjoys popular support. Now, do you remember the TV ad? What TV ad? When the guy was wearing the Speedos. Yes. And it, it, on the beach, it was swimwear, underwear. Oh, swimwear, yes. Swimwear, underwear. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. Must have been inspired by that. I would say so. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, dog owners in Turin, Italy, uh, will be fined up to €500 Euro if they don't walk their dogs at least three times a day. Really? Now, this is under a quite a recent law change uh, that the city council has made. Italians can already be fined up to €10,000 and spend a year in prison if found guilty of torturing or abandoning their pets. Well, yeah. I'm totally in agreement with that. They should actually be shot. Yeah, they should be shot, actually. Yeah. I totally agree with that one. Although walking your dog three times a day. That's tough. That is tough. Probably yeah. on the dog too. Yeah, exactly. I'll be, I'll be thinking, meh. Yeah, I'm mm. over walking. Yeah. Mm. In Bolivia, a bizarre law makes it completely illegal for restaurants or bars to serve married women more than one glass of wine. <laughs> the, I know. The law is to reportedly prevent women from getting morally and sexually lax <laughs> and flirting with other men while under the influence of alcohol. Isn't that why people drink? Uh, the law does not apply to married men. Well, that'd be right. Oh, well, we would never be sexually lax. After too many wines, would we? <laughs> did you know it is illegal for chickens to cross the road in Georgia? What? Did they take the white of the chicken cross the road, Jake, too seriously? <laughs> Perhaps. If you own any chickens in the city of Quitman, <laughs> you'd be quitting this place yeah. in Georgia, it is illegal to let them cross the road. The law stipulates that owners must have their chickens under control at all times. As you do. Yes. Please control your chickens. Mind the gap. In Thailand, it is illegal to leave the house without any underwear on. I'm not sure how they'd enforce that. <laughs> and who gets the job of enforcing that? And what car? Be the commando police, wouldn't it? Well, we- <laughs> well done. And what counts as underwear? Wow. Mm-hmm. Looking at yours, <laughs> I'm not sure. Just ahead, we finish up this episode with a chat about New Zealand's signature tastes. Mmm, foodie favourites that deserve a tip. Back in a moment. (laughs) 
You're back with Kiwi Trips. This is Mike and Andrew. Finally on this edition, let us talk about food as we celebrate our tastiest signature kiwi treats. And I'm not just talking the tip-top trumpet. We do go further than that. Iconic tastes that you could weave into a great New Zealand road trip. Yes. No matter where we travel, it is the kai that does offer an essential dimension to the memories of that holiday and Mm, that trip. Absolutely. The thing that has struck me, particularly during the COVID age, is that when you trip around New Zealand, we have got so many signature tasty treats. Oh, yes. And some are seasonal. Like an example would be uh, Awakune's Chocolate Eclair Shop, which is, well, getting sort of like folklore status, particularly amongst skiers. Well, you need an alternative to carrots. This is true. Mm. But if you are going to Oakune to ski through the winter months, that's the only time you can buy these eclairs from that famous shop on the street. Yeah. On the main street. Yeah. yeah. Exhibit B, Fergburger in Queenstown. Now, mm-hmm. that is like a landmark. That is destination dining, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. So in that spirit, we have... Uh, assembled a list of some other great, tasty holiday treats across New Zealand. Let us start with chocolate destinations. There are so many great options. And we talked about shock in Greytown a couple of weeks ago. That is tops. Yes. And after gracing from a lot of contenders, Mm. shock. (laughs) Again, it's such a tough job. (laughs) Exhausting. Shock chocolate is a gold star candidate here. Mm. And I think it's because... You haven't just got the handmade gourmet chocolates and their very unusual flavour combinations, but it's all housed in this super cute colonial cottage. Amazing. However. First runner-up. Makana Confections gives it a good run for its money. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, they've got two stores, <laughs> which probably helps. <laughs> uh, the, the flagship is in Kirikiri. Yes. So they've got this nice little boutique chocolate factory in Kirikiri, but they've also got a sister branch in Blenheim. So they cover both islands, and you can drool over the production process. They've got these big giant windows you can look into the kitchen. Hold on, hold on. Let me guess. They offer offer free tastings. That's the winning note. Yeah, of course. Uh, They also have a very popular chocolate cafe. As a nation, we love our cheese, and I can – Totally get on board with that. And down south, cheese rolls. Cheese rolls are such a Kiwi thing. If you want a really, really good southern cheese roll, Invercargill's Batch Cafe is absolutely unbeatable. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Gold star. Uh, We are fromage junkies. We are spoiled for choice when it comes to artisan cheese. And we recently mentioned in Featherston, you've got Say Cheese, which houses... (laughs) And it's like a Say Cheese here is... C, comma, E-S-T, as in the French French. say it is. But, of course, it's a play on say cheese. Yeah. It's brilliant. That's probably one of the clearest names I've seen. Yes. Paul Broughton is the brains behind that name and the store. Um, So you've got the most gobsmacking range of gourmet New Zealand cheeses there. 10% of the cheeses are made on site under the Rimataka Pass label. Honestly, I could go to say cheese and spend, well, an entire year there. Now. Iconic seafood destinations, as we've mentioned before, we are New Zealand and anywhere we are in the country, we're only 45 kilometres from a major body of water. So seafood is plentiful. And let's talk about oysters. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. It's oyster season. Mm -hmm. Could there be a better tasting oyster in the world to beat the bluffy? No, it really we really couldn't. Mm. I think think we're pretty lucky there. So Um, bluff oysters are like, 
West Coast white bait. Yeah. It's like synonymous. Yeah, yeah. 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 Top shelf. Yep. Uh, These delicate, succulent, but very sizable shellfish are actually dredged along the uh, coastlines of Southland between March and August every year. So lick your lips because it is virtually time to go totally berserk on the latest catch. Harvested for over a century, if you want the freshest tasting bluffies, you can't go wrong by ordering up a dozen battered mm, oysters with chips mm, from Fowler's Oyster Shop on Ocean Beach Road in Bluff. This is the taste of heaven. That could be my favourite shop in New Zealand. Battered oysters and chips. Yeah. Fowler's <laughs> Ocean Beach Road. Write it down. Commit it to memory next time you're heading down south. Uh, fish and chips. Well, there are a lot of great places to go for fish and chips. And there's a lot of places in every town and city in New Zealand that say, we've got the best. Well, we that's, do it. The best. that's our British heritage. Is it? We've taken the, yeah. the, the chip shop, the British fish and chips, yeah. and we've put the New Zealand spin on it, which is why it is so, so popular and so, so common, mm. but we've made it our own. That's very true. If you are in Tauranga, you've got to go to Bobby's because Bobby's Fresh Fish Market is the complete experience. It's not just a fish and chip shop, but the shop edges the fishing wharf where the fish is brought ashore mm. early in the morning. Mm. So that is your ultimate zero-kilometre meal right there. Yeah, it is. And if you've ever tasted very fresh fish in your fish and chips, you'll know what we're talking about. You yes. can just instantly go, oh, my goodness, it just falls apart in your mouth. Yeah. Once you bite through that batter, it's just wow. Next level. Yeah. Now, Pylora Sound is where 70% of our green-lipped mussels are grown of which 70% are exported worldwide. We're in Havelock. Get your fill. Mills Bay, Mussels, Tasting Room and Eatery. It's a mouthful of a name, but go those mussels. Oh, then yeah. there's Kaikoura crayfish. Oh. When tripping along the spectacularly scenic coastline on SH1, pull over to the roadside kiosk of Nins Bins. There's also <laughs> another place that has just opened up north of Nins Bin on State Highway 1. Now, Barkers of Geraldine would have to be on the list. Geraldine, at one point, had many uh, very, very nice cafes, and a lot of them have gone to the pack. But (laughs) Barkers is absolutely standout. Yes, their amazing food store and eatery is such a destination because there are lots of complimentary tasting stations. (laughs) (laughs) If you've noticed on this podcast, Michael tends to love these places and then say, and they've got free tastings. (laughs) Yes. It's worth the trip to Geraldine alone, Andrew. Yeah, wow. And many of the products at Barkers of Geraldine are integrated into the eatery menu, which I think is a very helpful idea because it will actually give you ideas and what the hell to do with this enormous range of products they produce? What will I do with this? You're right. So I'm standing at Barker's, I've looked at combinations that they've produced and gone, why on earth would anybody? <laughs> and then you see it as a taster and you go, wow. Yeah. Okay, that really, really works. Yeah. So I have been in there and tasted things and then just bought about 10 bottles of it. That's it. And I've got 600 items in their product range. So yeah, they will give you lots of ideas on what you can do with their stuff. Similarly, any self-respecting trip to Nelson oh, with the kids yes, must include a visit to Pick's Peanut Butter World. I mm. love peanut butter. Have you seen, actually, and this is probably a little plug for coffee culture, not that it was intended, but they have always in the cabinet, those picks 
peanut butter. Yes. Little chocolate cover yes. round yes. things. Yes. And they are just, oh, it's like a sugar hit, a taste hit. Wow. Yep. Get yeah. your nut quota up. Picks peanut butter and chocolate combined is just wow. Well, I think you need to go on the factory tour in Nelson, Andrew, because you can actually make your own peanut butter. Oh. And you can, you know, give it a bit of a zhuzh up. I'm not sure I want to make it. I'd, leave, <laughs> I'd rather leave it to the experts. <laughs> yeah, okay. And one last nugget to stake out Denheath Custard Square, New Zealand's signature food. Kind of leaving this to last. The Custard Square. This is the Rolls-Royce of Custard Squares, which were first made in the former post office building in Pleasant Point, South Canterbury. <laughs> yes. By a guy called Lej. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if it was, but it sounded good. Don't believe anything Andrew is saying. <laughs> Although he's right about the former post office building. It wasn't the Postmaster General that was making <laughs> the Custard Squares, though. A guy called Lej with a pocket protector and a wintry shirt. <laughs> Anyway. These very decadent desserts are actually exported worldwide. They are now produced out of a kitchen in Timaru. But if you've seen them, as I'm sure you have, in various locations around New Zealand, just consider how special they are because they're being eaten all around the world. Uh, These fluffy, high-rise, melt-in-your-mouth, rich and creamy custard-filled squares. That is one of life's great pleasures. Indeed. Les would be proud. <laughs> That's it for this edition. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to like our Facebook page and our show notes. As always, they're available on the website, kiwitripsters.co.nz. For great travel reading, check out the travel articles on our sister site, fortheloveoftravel.nz. That is fortheloveoftravel.nz. Plus, as always, we'd love you to rate and review Kiwi Tripsters on the podcast service of your choice and the many choices you have. We love your feedback. We do. Particularly if it's melt in your mouth. Rich, creamy, fluffy. (laughs) We look forward to catching you on our next edition of Kiwi Tripsters in a week's time. Take care now. Tally-ho. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Safe travels.